So yeah, there's a coronavirus thing happening, right? This novel coronavirus is causing a lot of disruption. It's a big problem. Um, normally, it's not really what I talk about. I'm not an expert in epidemiology. I'm not a medical doctor. It's not what I do. But I do analyze the things people are saying and kind of the social and political environment and kind of take stock and try to have something good to say about it. Um, that's what I built New Discourses as a company to, to do so that we can maybe have better conversations, so that we can understand one another better, so that we can get through our problems better instead of this kind of endless political bickering that we all live in now and I think most of us hate. Um, in particular, what I'm kind of concerned about right now is how many of these things will never be the same again kind of takes I'm seeing around COVID-19. So, you know, I know you're scared. We're all scared. Um, I'm scared. This is scary. This is uncertain. A lot of really complicated big things are happening. They're happening with the disease. They're happening with our loved ones. They're happening with massive disruptions to our way of life. They're happening with our jobs with the economy. This is a scary time. This is a difficult time. Um, and a lot is going to change. But the idea that things will never be the same again probably isn't really true. And I don't think it's helpful. It's kind of this alarmist thinking I think we should try to stay away from. Uh, it could come true if we really screw this up. Um, but more than likely, it's not true. Uh, more than likely, life is going to get back to normal eventually, um, which might be in a couple of years, not real soon. The question is why we believe this idea that nothing will ever be the same again. Why, why, do we, we be, why are we so susceptible to that idea? Partly it is, in fact, just that we are susceptible to cynicism. We are very uh, eager to believe cynical takes. We, for some reason as a species, tend to think that cynical takes are more intelligent takes. Um, I think it's also because it speaks to our fears, and uh, there's something we like in that. It's also because it is true in a way, so a lot of things are true in a way, but false in a more important way, and they gain a lot of traction because they have that nature. And this is this idea that nothing will ever be the same again, life will never be the same again after coronavirus, the novel coronavirus of 2019 and 20, is true in one way and false in a more important way. Um, how is it true? So... This virus, this pandemic, which is what we're facing right now, is going to shift a lot of things. And some will be big and some will be significant. If we're, we're really unlucky and we're not careful, um, then this is going to be bad. Uh, we'll have bad changes. Our civilization could take some real damage and some really bad things could come about. But on the other hand, as long as we don't screw up too bad, much of it will be net good. Um, we will have lots of positive changes come out of this in the long term, though not th without pain. This isn't going to be like this rose-colored glasses take on the virus. Uh, 
But we believe that life is never going to be the same again, in part because it is true that life is going to change due to COVID-19, and it will change in some ways on the big scale. It'll also change significantly for many individuals on the small scale, so it rings even more true for us. Um, Many of us will know people who die from this. I don't know how many people around the world, how many Americans, as I'm an American, how many Canadians from my neighbors up north, wherever else. I don't know how many will die, but probably a lot. A lot have already died. Um, Many of us will know somebody who died. Most of us will probably know somebody who had a family member die. So that's going to change things. You don't live through deaths without things changing. People will be missing um, from our lives, and that is irreversible. So things will change individually. Uh, On a more practical scale, some of us will lose our jobs, and they won't come back. And some of us will lose our businesses, and those won't come back either. And we'll have to take new paths. And this will change lives, of course. Some people will have to move. Some people will have to adapt to entirely new ways of working or thinking or being to get through life. So it will change things. And for people in those respects, life will never quite be the same again, as as if no pandemic had ever struck us. More importantly, there's a big way that this is false. Um... The timeline of this is going to be unbearable, uh, literally lasting at a very minimum, uh, very severe weeks and months ahead of us. Uh, Nine months of great discomfort is very likely. Uh, It will probably be a year or two to really manifest before life starts to get back to normal, but life, everyday life, for the vast majority of us, as long as we don't wreck our system, will go back to normal. Uh, the way we would wreck our system is if we keep going crazy about it. We have to understand that life is probably going to get back to normal, just not soon. We have to live through history first, and it's not going to be comfortable. Um, what makes me confident that life will, will get back to normal? Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a sociologist or any of these things, but I, at some point in my life, was a mathematician or am a mathematician, and regression to the mean is a thing. Uh, We are currently making the prognostication that life will never be the same again in the midst of a statistical tale event, something that doesn't happen very often. Once or twice a century, something of this scale comes up. And um, regression to the mean means, in a sense, that things tend to go back toward average. Uh, The next measurements, as things go along, as we start to adapt to the short, medium, and long-term new faces of reality will seem more and more normal, and many of the things that we have uh, kind of gotten comfortable with will be things we head toward again. So life will head back toward normal. Science is another reason I'm confident we're already making major steps towards sorting this thing out. Um, Many people might criticize me for being optimistic and believing in science, but I still do believe in science. I think you should believe in science. Um, I read recently that it took us something like 48 years to come up with a vaccine for polio, which we did, and eradicated it. And it took us 48 days to come up with a vaccine uh, trial for uh, COVID-19. 
uh, and here we are. Uh, I think things will get sorted out. We will figure things out, not again without some pain, but we will get things sorted out. Another reason I'm very confident is because I do believe in our liberal systems. Um, liberal systems actually exist to solve problems, including major problems, and to get life back on track. One of the ways that they do this is by managing conflicts between competing interests as they inevitably come up. It gives us a process by which we don't start shooting each other or fighting to solve our conflicts. We don't just yell at each other. We actually start working things out. We come up with various processes that we use. Science is one. Democracy is another. Capitalism is another that allow us to start solving our problems. Our mostly capitalist economies uh, will realize new needs to the short and medium term situation especially, and it will rise to fill them as we proceed forward. And then as things become less of an emergency, we will have other needs and the capitalist markets will work to fill them as well. Um, we can screw this up though. And that's really what I want to talk about because I do want life to get back to normal uh, or something like it. The caveats I've already talked about um, recognized here. So the way that we screw this up and, and fail to get life back to something like the same is by continuing to fight, by continuing to panic, by not taking reasonable measures to deal with the calamity for this. It really is a calamity and it's our lot to live through it, um, through this part of history. If you didn't know that you're living in history, by the way, now is a good time to realize that. Um, to get through this, we have to be talking to each other. We have to be leaning on experts. We have to be cooperating as people. We have to stop politicizing everything and seeing every possible suggestion as a political maneuver by somebody or some group that wants to seize power because we have to be able to both cooperate and compete in a productive way to get to the best solutions of the problems that we face right now. So we screw this up by setting up self-fulfilling prophecies for ourselves uh, and by politicizing everything. Uh, some examples of some self-fulfilling prophecies we might set ourselves up for um, is just the idea of saying this is going to change everything. Well, if we really believe that, then it very well may. Uh, if we think that it should change everything, then it might. Some of that might be okay. Some things do need to be adjusted to uh, prepare for problems like this, which, as many have noted, uh, was in a sense foreseeable. Um, it has been described as a time bomb ready to go off that a, a viral pandemic not unlike this might rage through our communities. And we did not have, we didn't take the necessary precautions nor engage in the proper preparedness for such a thing that uh, our public health officials have been warning about for literally decades, at, at very least since the first SARS almost 20 years ago. Um, we could set ourselves up for a self-fulfilling prophecy that the government's going to take control over everything and, and put the, the, the boot of tyranny on our faces. Uh, because the more we become afraid of that and try to act out against it, the more we may necessitate it during an actual emergency and um, make bad choices. We 
could actually self-fulfilling prophecy ourselves into an economy that collapses and ruins everyone rather than one that enters a particular kind of recession that's relatively easy to fix. Um, so I should be clear, though, it's not all roses, of course. Um, it's not all about self-fulfilling prophecies and bickering. There are actually people out there who understand you don't let a good crisis go to waste, and they're going to try to make use of it. Um, this is something we actually need to do as little of as possible for those of us that understand that, and we need to resist it as much as possible. I don't think that there are any conspiracies involved in this pandemic. I know a lot of people do. Um, I hear a lot of different things. The, the, the conspiracies, if we wanted to call it that, would be the usual opportunistic kind that don't let a crisis go to waste. So they see a crisis going on and they see this as an opportunity to inject their agenda into the, the mess or into the fact that people are paying attention to, say, a viral pandemic and the fact that their family members are sick or dying rather than paying attention to what's going on in uh, political environments. So we have to be aware of those kinds of things. I really want to come back to the idea, though, that the, the, the main way that we screw this up, the main way that we make it true that life will never be same, the same again, and life has been fairly good, whatever people want to say, it's not been perfect, but it's been quite good, is by putting our political agendas and interests ahead of getting through things together. Um, this is much more important than, than people with their personal self-interest. The idea that we would band together and push very hardcore partisan issues, that we would put party over country as a way that it sometimes gets phrased, uh, ahead of, of what matters is a way that we screw this up. Because that's just going to make everything seem more political, less real, and drive us away from being able to actually hear each other, understand what we need to understand, and get a grip on what's going on to get through this. So we have to step away from all this partisan bullshit and bickering. We have to start centering objective truth, expertise, common consensus, conversation, and compromise again. Um, that said, you know, I've been thinking about it. Like I said, I was out doing yard work, and I think a lot while I do yard work, um, spring yard work. It's such a joy. Uh, stimulates the allergies, which is fantastic during a pandemic outbreak, I tell you. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I was, I was thinking about what I would say to different groups, political groups, my friends that are that live in different political spaces and places. And uh, I'll start kind of closest to, to my own, which would be, you know, the progressive liberals. You know, I want to thank you guys for, for caring about how all of this goes for different people in society, especially the economically less fortunate. You guys are doing kind of great work trying to hold um, the administration and our government's feet to the fire to make sure that we do this right. You're taking the issue very seriously. Um, thank you for continuing to push on and point out failures of our system that prevented us from preparing adequately for this so that we might not make this mistake again. Uh, but don't panic. Um, keep pushing for the real kinds of reforms that can fix these problems that you're pointing at, but you don't have to panic. Um, same goes for you, my friends who are libertarians. Um, thank you for your vigilance, but don't panic. <laughs> um, you know, we genu genuinely are in a time that's going to be hard for you. Uh, 
because we are going to see a lot of government taking a lot more control than you're comfortable with and the potential for government overreach is real and your vigilance there is going to be very important especially as we go forward we want to avoid i keep getting asked you know where's the line where's the line well the line is isn't the government stepping in and taking reasonable measures or steps to try to deal with a real crisis it's when that's done in a way where that uh, power, that, that those privileges of power that we grant them temporarily aren't going to be relinquished. The line is in failing to relinquish them. And so we don't want to see permanent and long-lasting expansions of power and suspensions of liberty like we saw after 9-11. Uh, that was a temporary crisis that justified possibly expansions of certain kinds of government powers, but those should have been on a timeline. So your vigilance helps. The they, steps need to be taken, but most, most of the steps that are fitting for a pandemic are not fitting after the pandemic, so they need to be able to be stepped back. So uh, I hate to tell you for the moment, you, you, you have to try to learn to rely on the state a little more than you're comfortable with. Try to see them as something like corporations for the people, an incorporated people is kind of the way that a democratic society is supposed to work. The government is the incorporation of the people to, to do its will. And one of its wills right now really should be to cushion this blow because it's going to be bad. Um, it'll be a lot to your lot to hold them accountable to relinquish those extra privileges that we're extending to them now to help us um, when those are no longer relevant against what is currently a clear and present danger. Uh, conservatives more broadly, I have to admit that I'm a little bit less familiar with the way that you guys think than I am with libertarians and progressives and uh, some other groups. Um, but I'll see what I can do. You know, I want to thank you for your concerns about the economic and cultural impacts this might have on us, in particular, especially economic ones, uh, because when the government expands like this to deal with a crisis, um, being able to contract fiscal policy later in a, in a reasonable way and to not overexpand it is very important. That matters. So the goal, if we want to come out of this, getting life back to normal is going to be to conserve as much about our current system as we can, where it works, although some changes uh, are still probably justified and you may have to learn to be a little more flexible around that going forward. Um, you guys, together with our libertarian friends, I know there's a great deal of overlap between you guys, uh, will have to do a lot as this starts to wane, which is not right now, to make sure that our fiscal situation gets brought back in better order on the far side of this emergency. Again, to speak closer to my heart, because um, I know I, I identified with the, the progressive liberals at the start of this list, but I'm kind of politically homeless now too. Um, most of the progressive liberals call me a, a Nazi or a racist or something like every day, and that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I am a little bit politically homeless, and I know a lot of my friends are very politically homeless right now. They feel like both that the left has left them, and that's where they were before, and that the right is intolerable right now. It is not a welcoming home. And they refuse to bandy about with either of you sets of unmarried lunatics. Uh, 
I find myself in that position a lot too. So thank you um, for not taking a side. And I really mean that. Um, Jonathan Haidt said in his, his book, A Righteous Mind, that morality binds and blinds. And side taking right now is actually a big part of the calamity that we're facing. Part of the reason we can't get through even routine things is because we are still seeing our politicians play party over, and our media, frankly, playing partisan games, party over country, uh, or over humanity, as a matter of fact. Um, you guys, the politically homeless, are actually in a unique space in our extremely polarized political environment um, that you should be thanked for also. And I can use our president, very polarizing president, as an example. Um, to be sure, he is not doing this perfectly. He's messing a lot of things up, to be honest, and some of it's unconscionable, and um, there will be consequences, and they won't be pretty. Uh, but as kind of a, a group, the politically homeless group, uh, if that makes sense, um, you guys tend to try to temper that reflexive urge that gets so dominant right now to blame him for everything. Um but you also avoid falling into that other side of the partisan divide where you dismiss all the criticism with phrases like orange man bad. Um, and honestly, to speak to you guys a little bit more deeply, I think it's us, uh, the ones who see ourselves right now as politically tribeless. Um, we're going to have a lot to do as this uh, calamity, uh, this pandemic starts to wane as we start to come out of this more than we had going into it. Um, so try to take heart and stand up for uh, what you're doing, because a lot of it's the right thing. Um, we need more of it and less of some of what else has been going on. Um, for my friends there on the, on the, I don't know what to call you, the hard right, the far right, I don't know what to call you. Um, those of you who are like pretty hardcore conservatives and will pretend that I don't mean you and that I mean somebody else that like carries a torch or something. Uh, but I do mean you. Um, so let me honestly thank you for supporting the president through this. Um, I'm not a fan of the president. That's true. But we're in a situation where we do have to hope that the president and the rest of the government is able to uh, navigate us through this. So somebody supporting the president, even as he's attacked, you know, both justifiably, but also in many cases unfairly, uh, it's important that somebody's doing that. And so that's good. Um, we can't just play the orange man bad game. There, that's a meme for a reason because a lot of people are. So thank you for, um, even though it's sort of also reflexive and knee-jerk, being a counterbalance to that. Uh, I have to actually say, though, that your blind partisanship here is as much a problem as it is with the people on the left that you accuse of being blindly partisan, um, and now more than usually. Uh, everything right now that makes this problem more political is failing to help us navigate the problem. Uh, maybe you've heard of Keith's Law, that the more political a thing is, the less seriously people take it. Well, this can't be seen as political. 
this is a genuine crisis. The virus actually exists. The virus is actually killing a lot of people. It will actually overwhelm our healthcare system and making important information about the virus and what to do about it look like it's a partisan thing is really a bad move right now. It's not helping. Uh, so I know your heart's in, the, in some kind of the right place, or the, but you, you, it's not helping. So please try to take a step back and for once politically disengage a bit. And if you think that it's only you that I'm picking on, uh, my friends that are on the harder line right, um, I've saved my favorite for last, of course, the theorists, uh, that's meaning the critical social justice people. So let me start by being fair and thanking them also. Thank you if you are on the critical social justice left for your overwhelming concern uh, for the possibility that um, historically or as you see it systemically oppressed groups will be still treated even more unfairly by the way that we deal with this pandemic. Uh, those groups do need to be cared about and they shouldn't get lost in this and your care is actually appreciated. That said, I tweeted this the other day and I mean it. Shut up. Shut up and go work in a factory making medical supplies or something. Do something useful and your theory is useless because it rejects data. Just like the partisans on the far right that you're probably glad to hear me call out for being too political, the stuff you're doing right now is not based in reality and it's not helping. It's, it's actually worse than useless. Um, now is not the time to push your equity agenda or to try to remake our school systems or to whine about the various social constructions around the virus. Do something useful. Um, here's an idea as a kind of a thought experiment. Hire a gardener. You have, a lot of you have professor salaries or administrator salaries. So I dare you <laughs> to hire a gardener who's white. I just got done working in my yard. It's good work. And if I had the money right now, I thought about it the whole time. I'd eagerly pay someone who needs the cash to do this for me. And a lot of people do. And let me be real clear. I wouldn't urge you to give a damn about the race of your lawn person, your cleaning person, or whatever you should hire with your uh, rather generous salaries if it weren't for the fact that your lot does nothing but obsess about them. So if the idea of hiring a white gardener turns your stomach because that person's white, that's because your theory is rotten and racist. People of all races, both sexes, all sexualities, all backgrounds, are going to struggle and suffer right now. And saying that even though men die more, women suffer more, or that white privilege is a thing, that's not going to cut it. It's not helping. It's not going to to, to justify ignoring the plight of many of our workers who are white or male or straight, especially ones who are blue collar, they're service industry workers. Those of you in the trans activist groups that are advocating that trans surgeries are, are should be considered essential during a time when our medical system is about to be stressed well beyond its breaking point, get some perspective. Just back up. Back up. Stop navel-gazing. Back up. There are a lot of people who aren't going to be able to work right now anyway to get back to my thought experiment and challenge, and a lot of them are not going to be your preferred uh, 
groups to champion. Some of them will be white. Some of them will be straight white men. And I dare you to consider what it would do to you to hire one to do some task like mowing your lawn or uh, cleaning your apartment for you or something like that to, to try to help them out. Um, and if that bothers you, then you're, you're the sexist, you're the racist. The rest of us aren't the one uh, who's got that problem and stop calling us that because it's also not helping. But I'm not trying to spend this time to browbeat theorists. I'll do that later, <laughs> probably a lot. Not critical social justice theorists, critical anti-government theorists, not conspiracy theorists even. The point that I want to make right now is that it's time to ratchet that kind of politicized thinking back. The personal is not political. We need to back up from politicizing everything. We need to back up from freaking out. We need to back up from the panic. We need to do less of it. We need to focus on what matters, and we need to remember that our various sets of principles, whether those are progressive, whether they're liberal, whether they're conservative, whether they are right-wing, left-wing, religious, whatever, atheist, it doesn't matter. All those sets of principles coming out of this will be necessary in the conversation to getting life back toward normal. As again, if we don't screw this up, especially by being too political about everything, it very probably will. We probably will regress toward the mean and life will probably get back very much like to normal within a year or two. Um, but we have to be aware because partisan opportunists of every kind are going to try to use this crisis to push their agendas. This includes people on the far right. It includes people on the far left. We're already seeing both trying to do it. It also will involve anybody that's involved in any heavy-duty political cult out there. And while we're distracted dealing with our families, dealing with our lives, they are showing up and trying to change our institutions to their agendas. Um, our little internet hotshot socialists are kind of constantly arguing that we need to remake our society for socialism right now. Um, wrong. Um, the capitalist backbone is what's going to create the, the innovation and the filling of the niches and needs that is going to help us stumble out of the economic problems we have. That said, they do have a point. And that point is that we do need to rely on the government to cushion some of this for us. And we do need to rethink how we have organized some things going forward so that we are better prepared for these kinds of problems if they come up again, and they will, or other ones similar to them. My hardcore anarchist-type libertarians are probably arguing out there right now why this is why we need to privatize more and get rid of the government which is interfering and messed up the testing and this and that um has in fact screwed up pretty royally in significant ways uh so we need to shrink and dismantle the government and wrong um we need sensible government that represents the interests of the people we need to understand that the government is the incorporation of the people but we also need of course your vigilance to hold them to that you, you do have a point. You're not totally wrong, but we don't need to dismantle the government. And if that agenda is being pushed somewhere, it needs to be, don't do that. It's not time. Um, critical social justice types, of course, are using this to argue that we need more equity and effing everything. It's all they ever do. Um, wrong. Wrong. We need a more flexible system, actually, as we're seeing in our school systems, uh, which can't engage in distance learning, uh, online learning agendas, because 
it's so costly and time-consuming to close caption everything or to make sure that every child in every school system has an iPad or something like that. Um, we actually need more flexibility and we need not to prioritize things that aren't based in reality. Uh, we also need to be aware that groups like this are actually already increasing their, their political activities and trying to make use of this crisis to, to achieve these things and that that's what we need to step away from. Uh, we need to focus on expertise, not politicos and not rhetoric. We need to help one another. We need to realize that most of us are making valid contributions toward the problem as best we can, and we're doing what we can from our perspectives, but ultimately we do have to rely on experts pretty heavily for this. Um, we have to defer to reality here and, and to get through this, and then we can start to get life back to normal. Uh, or the, our reality is that life is going to change for a while, and it's not going to be easy or comfortable. We are living in history right now, and like it or not, we have to make history by getting through this. Um, and how we do that is really going to matter. It will make or break the situation. Um, my real point, though, and I'll wrap up, is that there are opportunists who are trying to use this to their ends, who are pushing political agendas in the midst of a crisis, and those are the people we need to resist, whether they're ratcheting up political rhetoric while they're trying to make prescription drugs or whatever other issue, a political fight. Uh, no, that's not helping, and it's not very popular in the vast, broad middle. So hopefully what we're going to be able to do in that vast, broad middle, hey, you politically homeless people I was talking to earlier, is become more certain in our voice to say that um, that's not okay. We're not going to keep politicizing everything. We're not going to make everything a political fight. There is reality aside from politics, and we've kind of forgotten that, and it's screwing us big time right now. So it's time to take things back to team reality. Um, but that's it. We also have to be willing to talk to one another. We have to be willing to hear these perspectives out, listen and consider, not listen and believe is my normal mantra now. Um, and our conversations are what is going to make this work and make the world work going forward and being able to converse without fighting and making everything a political squabble that we can't take anything seriously is what will actually get us back toward normal to, to life being something like the same again as we finally start to get a handle on and move forward out of this coronavirus. Thank you.